DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life. What am I to do? The discernment of God's will in everyday decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thanks, Chris. We are picking up where we left off in our last conversation concerning St. Ignatius, and he was giving instruction on the process of his discernment. Mm -hmm. And this was helping us move into what we're calling the second mode of discernment, the first being when God gives clarity beyond doubting. And that the second we're calling an attraction of the heart, and that is when over a period of time, a person consistently feels an attraction toward one option in the choice, if it's vocational, either marriage or priesthood or religious life, if it's a significant career choice, let's say finance or, or medicine. When a person feels close to God, feels what Ignatius calls spiritual consolation, and his or her heart is joyful in the Lord, then that person consistently feels over a period of time in such experiences an attraction toward one of the two options. And eventually the person gains what Ignatius calls sufficient clarity and understanding that this is the option that God wants. And we had begun to look at an experience in the life of St. Ignatius of Loyola when he himself was able to discern, to discern according to this second mode of discernment, the consistent attraction of the heart in spiritual consolation. And we had described the background to this. St. Ignatius was writing the constitutions for the Jesuits at the time. He's living in Rome. These are the latter years of his life. And it's very important work because what he is doing is seeking from God light on how God will want his Jesuits to live down through the centuries. And clearly any decisions, any discernments that he makes about various aspects of their life are going to have an impact on thousands of people down through the centuries, as in fact they have. And at this particular point, he is discerning a question regarding the vow of poverty. Does God want his Jesuits to continue to live a Franciscan-like radical poverty the way they had been living until then? And that is no fixed revenues and pure, simple dependence day by day on the Lord for their various uh, physical needs. Or does God want not for the sake of making their life easier as Jesuits, but for the dignity of the churches that the church is asking them to officiate and run, uh, to accept revenues that would go for the upkeep and maintenance and good decor of these churches. So let's call that a mitigated form of poverty, although obviously this is still a pretty radical form of poverty. But for clarity's sake, we'll call this radical and mitigated poverty. That's the discernment that Ignatius is making. And what he has decided to do is to celebrate Mass on 40 consecutive days, seeking over the course of these 40 days light from the Lord as regards this discernment. 
And this is where we had concluded last time. We'd gone through the first four of these 40 days. And on each of these days, as he, just taking this right from his spiritual diary, um, on each of these days, as he celebrates the Mass, he has an experience of deep and warm and happy spiritual consolation, which moves him even to tears. And on each of these four days, he consistently feels, in that time of spiritual consolation, the inclination toward the radical poverty. So a, a pattern is beginning to emerge uh, in terms of second mode discernment, the consistent attraction of the heart in time of spiritual consolation. The same thing happens on the fifth of these days when he celebrates the Mass, and that clear inclination in spiritual consolation toward the radical poverty remains with him not only during the Mass, but actually throughout the entirety of the day. The same thing happens on the sixth day. So that as this experience unfolds day after day, a point comes when Ignatius receives, in his own words, what he calls sufficient clarity and understanding through that consistent attraction of the heart in times of closeness to God and joyful closeness to God, spiritual consolation. Ignatius now is looking, he's on the 40th of these days, and is now hoping for a final experience of spiritual consolation, which will serve as a last confirmation from the Lord that he really has seen clearly and discerned well that God wants the more radical poverty. And he begins to celebrate his Mass on this day, but now things are different. There is a certain amount of spiritual consolation in the celebration of this Mass, but there's also a sense of struggle and a certain sense of trouble of heart. And when the Mass is finished, Ignatius goes back to his room, which was just a few steps away from this small chapel, and there finds himself feeling as though God is very remote, can't feel the closeness of the Father or the Lord Jesus, the Spirit or Mary, um, feeling as though uh, their presence is completely taken from him on the level of what he feels. And in the trouble of heart, now obviously what I'm describing there in Ignatius' own terms is spiritual desolation. Mm-hmm. He says, I found, I found myself utterly deserted without any help, unable to feel the presence of the divine persons, feeling remote and separated from them, which we'll approach with reverence as we would ever, always approach anyone's uh, personal spiritual experience. But clearly what he's describing now is an experience of the exact opposite of spiritual consolation. This is spiritual desolation, a sense of heaviness and discouragement and feeling alone in, on the level of his relationship with the Lord. And in this experience of spiritual desolation, as he uh, is alone in his room, various thoughts come to him and he details them in his spiritual diary. And one of these thoughts is this, the way he says it very succinctly is this, the thought comes to him to begin the Masses all over again. Now, what that says is, the thought is this, look at the way this discernment is ending. You thought you had such clarity over a number of days in these 40 days that God was calling you toward the more radical poverty, but it's not ending with that kind of clarity. Look at the way it's ending in struggle and in spiritual desolation. What this means is that this process of discernment has not gone well at all, and you better just start the whole thing all over again. Now, those who know Ignatius' 14 rules for discernment of spirits are going to hear rule 5 in this, and Uh and where Ignatius says, never make this kind of change in a time of spiritual desolation. And in point of fact, Ignatius doesn't. But from the perspective of what we want to see here, in second-mode discernment, what we can expect to experience if God is calling us to discern according to second-mode discernment, what we'll experience is a consistent attraction toward one option 
in the time of spiritual consolation. And we can expect, if we undergo times of spiritual desolation, that we're going to experience exactly the opposite pull, discouragement toward that option and a leaning toward, toward the other option. Now, as Ignatius explains in his Rules for Discernment, and that's that same Rule 5, in consolation it is the good spirit, the Holy Spirit, God, who is guiding and counseling us. And in desolation, it's the bad spirit, the enemy, the evil one, the one who is the liar, the one who does not want us to see God's will clearly so that we can embrace it in our lives. And this is how, this, this would be, let's say, theologically the basis of this second mode of discernment. Because God is speaking to our hearts in times of spiritual consolation. Again, in this set of 14 rules that um, we described in an earlier set of, consul- of, of conversations, because God is speaking to our hearts, God is speaking to our hearts in times of spiritual consolation, that tells us that if we consistently feel a pull toward one option, marriage or priesthood, religious life, in time of spiritual consolation, and this repeats over enough time, we do have eventually sufficient clarity and understanding that this is what God is saying to our hearts. Whereas if, the, if we feel just the opposite pull, a discouragement toward that, uh, an undoing of all of this in time of spiritual desolation, that's actually a further confirmation that God is calling to that choice toward which we felt more drawn in spiritual consolation. Because in time of spiritual desolation, now it's the enemy who is trying to discourage us and lead us astray. So the process of discerning according to the second mode would look something like this. That is, here is a person who is facing a significant choice, vocational discernment, career, significant choices for the family, and so on. And this person is praying day after day, seeking light from the Lord as to his will in this choice. Ideally, this person, if it's a significant choice, especially has some kind of spiritual guidance, is talking with a competent spiritual person and is praying day by day, seeking light from the Lord as regards his desire in this. And as the person is praying and is attentive to his or her spiritual experience, what's happening in that prayer, the person will notice that in time of spiritual consolation, when I feel the joy of closeness with the Lord, I consistently feel called toward this option. And I may also experience that in time of spiritual desolation, that call is is attacked. I'm discouraged toward that call. And I'm bringing this experience to my conversations with the spiritual guide with whom I'm working on this. And eventually the point will come, if God is really calling me to discern in second mode discernment, the point will come when I will have that sufficient clarity and understanding that this really is the choice that God wants. Now, let's make that more concrete by looking at some examples of this. The first is uh, Richard, and Richard is, uh, in the course of his studies, he's a senior now, and he is discerning between marriage and a call to the Jesuits. And he reaches January of his senior year and decides that God is calling him to marriage. But even as he makes that decision, his heart is not at peace. He's troubled. He, He can't feel that the discernment is really concluded. And what happens is he begins going to the church and sitting in front of the altar of the Sacred Heart in this church. And he does this frequently. And every time he does this, he experiences something that that just absolutely, he says, overwhelms him. 
uh, in our terms or in Ignatian terms, this is spiritual consolation. He calls this enjoyment from being with God. And this is what he writes. And this consolation was present whenever I reflected seriously on the possibility of entering the Jesuits. Now there we're beginning, we can sense second mode discernment in this. Whenever his heart feels that spiritual consolation, the inclination is toward entering the Jesuits. He continues, If I began to lose this desire, I would simply return to my parish church, sit in front of the Sacred Heart altar, and again that consolation would be given me. Throughout this period, I knew instinctively that this was the right decision for me because of this consolation. I'll read that sentence again because that's the real heart of second mode discernment. Throughout Mm -hmm. this period, which is a number of months, this goes on from January through March of his senior year. Throughout this period, I knew instinctively that this was the right decision for me because of this consolation. The pattern just continues to repeat. uh, Richard applied to the Jesuits in March of his senior year, was accepted, and would actually enter in August. So there's a period of about five months there between his acceptance and his actual entrance into the Jesuits. And at various points during those five months, he experienced doubts about his discernment. And this is what he writes. I recall that I experienced many doubts in my own decision to enter the Jesuits between the period of March to August. But whenever I went to the church and sat in silence, my experience of peace was restored, and with it the conviction that God was calling me. And so the second mode pattern of a consistent attraction of the heart, in this case toward entering the Jesuits, in time of spiritual consolation, that pattern continues and it continues to confirm the rightness of his discernment. Now, we can notice mm-hmm. a couple of things are worth pointing out about Richard's experience. When we talked earlier about first-mode discernment, when God simply gives a clarity beyond doubting, like Anne when she's in the chapel during her retreat as a senior, or I think we spoke of Gary, uh, who just felt that clear call to the priesthood from an earlier early age in his life, never was able to doubt it. By contrast with an experience like Anne's especially, where in one moment the clarity beyond doubting is given, this is a process over a period of time. So the second mode discernment doesn't take place in a single experience of spiritual consolation. Today I went to pray and felt deeply warmed with the joy of the Lord's love and closeness to me. And in this experience of spiritual consolation felt more drawn toward priesthood or toward marriage. That single experience does not conclude the discernment. Second mode discernment requires a process over a period of time until the pattern repeats sufficiently and consistently enough that we reach that sufficient clarity and understanding that Ignatius is talking about. And secondly, uh, whereas in first mode discernment there simply is no doubt, there's a clarity beyond doubting. The person knows, does not doubt, and never can doubt that this was the choice that the Lord wanted. The process of second mode discernment, because it takes place over an extended period of time, may include times when the person is not sure, when the person doubts, when the person thinks, well, maybe it's this choice, but I'm not yet sure, as we saw in Richard's experience. But eventually, whether it's first mode discernment or second mode discernment, both lead to the same kind of clarity, uh, where Richard finally knows beyond any doubting that this is the call. Um, that God wants for him. Father Gallagher, is it possible for someone who is in the process of a discernment, 
in their minds, I'll say in their heads, they really want a certain outcome to occur. But in the course of the discernment, they experienced what he did in the church, where you just, there's something almost, it comes from a different place, we'll say the heart, where you just have this consolation from God that this is what I'm being called to do. Though my head wants something different, I feel something very, very strongly from the Lord and that consolation that this is what he desires. And there's, there can be kind of a conflict between what we want as opposed to what we're feeling. That is such a helpful question. Let's just suppose someone finds himself or herself in that precise situation. What does that person do? Mm-hmm. How can that person resolve what is a very significant question about discernment? This is a person who will, will say with very good will to, dis- to discern, but just cannot see clearly in this situation. This powerfully makes the point that we've been repeating consistently throughout this whole discussion of discernment of God's will, that Ignatius presumes that a person who is discerning according to these three modes is accompanied in this process, that a a person can bring this kind of experience to a wise, experienced, competent spiritual guide who can help him or her through this. In the specific experience, a number of things can be at work. And to really answer this on the, how would you say, let's say the one-on-one level, a spiritual director would need individual conversation with that person. Reverencing that, let me just say a few general things about this. I think your question recalls for us why for Ignatius achieving the necessary disposition of heart is always the prerequisite before entering into a process of discerning according to one or another of these modes. That is, that the person's Um, It may cost at times, but as the person is approaching this discernment, if it's career between studying theology or going into counseling to be um, a good and Catholic, a good competent Catholic counselor, or if it's the vocational discernment between priesthood or religious life, and on the other hand toward marriage, that the person is only really ready to make this discernment when the person is able to say, as we said earlier, whatever you want, Lord. Mm. If it's the one, if it's the other, I am completely available to you, like Mary. You know, Let it be done to me according to your word. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's the necessary disposition of heart. Now, we actually spoke earlier about um, Richard's discernment and he how he recognized that before this point in his discernment, he really didn't yet have that disposition. He was presuming that, he, like the rest of us, or most of his uh, classmates, he would go on to marriage and a career of some kind. And then the thought about Jesuit religious life began to emerge. Even as he continued to feel the desire to go on like the others toward marriage and a career. And it took him some time in prayer and in the process to reach the point in which his heart was really ready to say, whatever you want, Lord. At which point he was now much more ready to discern. So that's going to be a consideration along the way in the process of discernment. But there could be other factors beyond that involved. And that's why I would say to anyone who might feel that what you described, Chris, reflects my situation, that I cannot too warmly encourage this person to find a wise, competent, spiritual person and be in conversation with that person, 
make a retreat under the guidance of that person. But that's the key in a situation like that. Practically speaking, in, in, a, in a concrete individual process of discernment, when we experience that, the real need is for spiritual guidance. And with that kind of guidance, we'll be able to find our way well forward in that kind of situation. Because that whatever may not be an easy road. It may You may be being asked by the Lord to go up higher on that mountain. It could be that. And this is why I'm consciously haven't been too detailed in what I've just said just now, because that is one possibility. It's also possible that the attraction the person feels toward the one option and the reluctance to consider the others may itself be a significant factor in the discernment. It may be that that the, the leaning toward the the one option is not at all selfish, but that leaning actually reveals where God is leading the person. How can a person know whether it's the one or the other in this case? I think it's um, it's very, very hard to find our way forward on our own in these kinds of situations. And for St. Ignatius, he presumes that we never will be just alone in these situations because it is so difficult. God doesn't put that kind of burden on us. But within the church, there are helps available to us, especially, I would say, above all, if it's the vocational discernment. There are other very significant discernments where I'd say something similar, but the most significant one, the vocational one, uh, when we are experiencing these kinds of pulls in different ways, then I cannot too often counsel conversation with a wise spiritual person. There's another aspect of this, too, that maybe, at least for us in America, that we have to kind of struggle with is the fact that we, in many cases, are not called to rush to a decision or a discernment, that there is that period presumed by Ignatius that you will give it time to be able to be fully fleshed out. Yes, and I'd say that's the difference between being in a process of discernment in some clear, structured way, which is moving forward, and knowing that I need to discern, but not feeling like anything's moving, not quite knowing where to turn or how to approach this. These two persons both face a significant discernment. Neither has the clarity yet as to which choice God wants. But the one is in a process of discernment, which is what all of these conversations have been about, describing that process, hopefully in a way that makes it accessible so that we can embrace that process and move forward. One person is in a process, using the spiritual means, growing toward the disposition, speaking with a competent spiritual person, praying daily, learning from that experience, bringing that to spiritual direction and all the rest, maybe times of retreat and and all. And the other person just feels uh, stuck somehow, unable to move, unsure of where to go with this. That's the invitation of this whole set of of, uh, conversations, is to enter into a process of discernment. And and our hearts lift when we're in that. You know, there's, there's hope in that. We sense the movement in that. And then, yes, once we are in that process of discernment, then we give that all the time that it needs which is very different from, I really need to face this discernment, but I don't know what to do, and time is just passing. That's not, uh-huh. that's not a, um, a helpful situation for us. Once we are in the process of discernment and using the means, then yes, absolutely, 
we give it the time that, that it needs. So what would come next then, Father Gallagher? Let, let's take a look, at least we'll begin to take a look at a second experience. And this is a person whom I'll call Jessica. When I had my conversation with Jessica, she was probably about 80 years old, um, a religious, a great sense of peace about her, which is a beautiful thing to see. And she was willing to talk about her vocational discernment so many years earlier. She had been an organist throughout her life, and her way of speaking about her discernment always involved uh, musical terminology. She described her life as a symphony. She said that the opening theme of the symphony was when she was in high school, about 16 or 17 years old. And this is the way she said it. There was an elusive kind of feeling, like a magnet drawing me. I loved being in church, the liturgy, the music. It all drew me. Now, I think we can already begin to hear a second mode language in this. Mm-hmm. The, the, there is an attraction of the heart. Her image that she used repeatedly as we spoke was, it, it was like her heart was being drawn the way a magnet would draw one. Uh, she had a, a happy and very healthy high school life. She dated, had boyfriends, enjoyed life, admired the sisters, but never really thought too much about it, but consistently was feeling this attraction, like the magnet drawing her toward things that had to do with the church the uh, celebration of mass, music, the stained glass windows, services in the church. She loved it. She loved being there. She loved being a part of it. And she remembered one day, it was during religion class, she was a senior in high school, and looked out the window of the classroom and there could see the, the steeple of the parish church with the cross on the top of it and felt that strong drawing, that attraction, that being drawn like a magnet. Jessica used that phrase enough so that I asked her at one point in the conversation if she could describe what she, what she experienced, what that happiness was like that she felt in being drawn like a magnet. And she just said, I, I entered into it. it was, um, she was unable to put words to it, but she knew very clearly what she was describing. I would watch, she said, the censer, the incense, the stained glass windows. I was just so involved in it. It was just being in this kind of atmosphere, being still and enjoying it. She would be at dances at times and enjoying them, but something in her heart knew that there was something more. And so by the time she was a junior in high school, she was now seriously thinking about religious life. And by the time she was a senior, she said, by the time I was a senior, I knew. There wasn't one moment. It was a process over time. And approaching that with reverence, you can hear second mode in that. There wasn't one moment, it was a process over time, a consistent attraction when her heart is joyful and feeling close to God toward religious life. At this point, she has what Ignatius would call sufficient clarity and understanding for discernment. And that's the way we'll experience, obviously with our very personal nuances in this, but that's the way second mode discernment unfolds when God calls us to discern in this way. Well, I wish we had more time to explore it even more, Father Gallagher, not only the conclusion of uh, Jessica's story, but then also the third mode. Well, we'll pick this up next time. All right. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. You're very welcome, Chris. You've been listening to What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, 
I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher.